From the Cincinnati Daily Commercial, I'm Murray Halstead. And I'm Gwendolyn Richards. And this is your Queen City Bulletin for March 25th, 1861. In Columbus, the Ohio State House bill fixing the commencement of the term of office of the county surveyors on the 1st of January succeeding their election and making their term three years was passed. The House bill authorizing the Ohio Medical College at Cincinnati to fund its debt and issue new bonds bearing 6% interest was passed. Mr. Key presented a remonstrance from Joseph R. Smith, J.L. Brown, and others of Cincinnati against the passage of the Street Railroad Bill. Mr. Key also reported back the Woman's Rights Bill with sundry amendments, which were agreed to, and the bill was put upon its passage, and after explanations by Mr. Key, it passed. Yeas 27, nays 2. It is expected to pass the Senate. A copy of the full bill can be examined in today's issue of the Daily Commercial. In Frankfurt, the time of the Kentucky Senate was principally consumed in debating a proposition to repeal the appropriation made before the recess as a commencement to the work of rebuilding the lunatic hospital at Hopkinsville. This lunatic imbroglio has troubled the assembly ever since January last. Vigorous efforts have been put forth by different cliques to have the location changed from Hopkinsville to Bowling Green, Buena Vista Springs, or some other point. The repeal of the appropriation is now claimed on the ground that it was obtained under false pretensions of the value of the ruins, health, supply of water, and etc. at Hopkinsville. Mr. Whitaker, the fiery senator from Shelby, made a violent speech in favor of the repeal in which he denounced the Hopkinsville Asylum as a charnel house, a huge Golgotha, in which 15% of the patients die annually. He said that the walls were so injured by the fire as to be worthless, and that in fact part of them had already fallen down. The matter was finally recommitted to the Finance Committee. A gun exemption bill introduced by Mr. J.W. Cook was the source of some merriment in the House. The bill exempts from execution for rent or distress for debt one gun to such bona fide housekeeper not exceeding in value of $50. Mr. Lawnman addressed the House in behalf of the bill. He said the legislature had refused to arm the state, and it was but fair to leave every gallant Kentuckian the means of defending his own hearthstone. He said that to their familiarity from childhood with the use of the rifle, the soldiery of Kentucky owed much of their efficiency in war. An inquiry being made as to the kind of gun to be exempted, Mr. Lawnman said it covered everything in the gun line. Rifle, smoothbore, shotgun, popgun, or squirt gun. Mr. H. H. Smith offered an amendment exempting in addition one bowie knife, a six-shooter, and a pair of brass knuckles. Dr. Rodman offered an amendment exempting also one barrel of good whiskey. Mr. Milton J. Cook, forgetful of the old adage that too many cooks spoils the broth, moved to refer to the Committee on Religion. The bill was finally passed. The Daily Commercial received word from Mr. William Stomes regarding this year's peach crop. He writes, After special and careful examination, I am satisfied that not more than 10% of the peach buds have been damaged by late frosts in this region. In the south part of Anderson Township, within an area of three miles, there are some 15,000 trees coming into bearing this season. My observation extends principally to these plantations. Mr. J.C. Davis of Claremont County, who has some 4,000 trees, informs me that not more than 5% of his are damaged. Unless killed by late frost after blooming, the prospect for a large peach crop never looked better. All other fruits are entirely safe as yet. Company A, commanded by Captain Jackson of the Continental Battalion, are an active drill in preparation for an exhibition drill and concert to come off at the Catholic Institute Hall on the 9th of April. 
Mentor's band and other local talent, amateur and professional, has been secured. This company is progressing rapidly in the Hardy School of Tactics. In local matters, the Honorable Edward Everett lectures before the Union Literacy Association of this city on Thursday and Friday evenings, April 11th and 12th. The citizens of Avondale, Walnut Hills, etc. are called to meet on Wednesday evening to consider the project of constructing a steam car passenger railroad and a 100-feet avenue for the accommodation of those suburban localities. And the annual exhibition of the junior class of Farmers College will take place this Tuesday evening at the First Presbyterian Church of College Hill. A young man, 18 years of age, the son of Mr. William Ingersoll of the American House Harrison in this county, is dangerously ill at his father's residence from the poisonous effects of some wake robin, which he ate on Thursday last, mistaking it for calamus or sweet flag. His recovery is despaired of. Elsewhere, Dr. J.B. Smith was riding along Elm Street yesterday afternoon when his horse took fright and became unmanageable. The doctor was violently thrown out but suffered no injury beyond a scalp wound, though some minutes elapsed before consciousness returned. The carriage was strewn along Elm Street piecemeal, and the last we saw of the horse, he was making 2.40 time over the canal bridge, no efforts to check him being successful. In police court, Charles Wagner robbed the hen roost of a German woman near the Brighton house of seven chickens. She heard the foul alarm, pursued the thief, and caused his arrest. The case has been continued. James Coy was detected Saturday with his hand in the money drawer of Mr. Jones, corner of 5th and Stone Streets, from which he had abstracted 10 cents, found guilty and sentenced deferred. Neil, Mary, and Sarah McDermott were found in squalid poverty and drunkenness in a house on Vine Street near 2nd. Their little furniture had been destroyed in their drunken spree, and they were found dead drunk in front of the fire on the hearth. Neil was committed 10 days, and his wife released that she might look after the unfortunate children. And Charles Mossench was convicted of stealing a coat from a railway car. It had been thrown over him by some kind heart at the time when he was indisposed and chilly, and he forgot to take it off when he left the car. He was sent to the chain gang for two months. In amusements, the first concert of the Unsworth's Minstrels will be given at Smith & Nixon's Hall tonight. The Joave Drill and an operatic duetto between Unsworth and Eugene are among the features on the opening program. The Fabri Troupe will give two or more sacred concerts at Pike's Opera House during the week. This will be gratifying intelligence to the musical public. Among the novelties announced for this week at the Palace Garden is the first appearance tonight of a famous cantatrice, Mrs. Louisa Payne, and the infant prodigy Little Ada, it being the benefit of Sweatman, the Ethiopian comedian. The minstrels, among whom Huntingdon and Blood are prime favorites, will also continue their entertainments. Today's show is brought to you by Sir James Clark's Celebrated Female Pills, prepared from a prescription of Sir J. Clark, M.D., physician extraordinary to the Queen. This invaluable medicine is unfailing in the cure of all those painful and dangerous diseases to which the female constitution is subject. It moderates all excesses and removes all obstacles, and a speedy cure may be relied on. To married ladies, it is particularly suited. It will, in a short time, Bring on the monthly period with regularity. Each bottle, price $1, bears the government stamp of Great Britain to prevent counterfeits. These pills should not be taken by females during the first three months of pregnancy, as they are sure to bring on miscarriage, but at any other time they are safe. In all cases of nervous and spinal affection, pain in the back and limbs, fatigue on slight exertion, palpitation of the heart, hysterics and whites, these pills will effect a cure when all other means have failed. 
And although a powerful remedy, they do not contain iron, calomel, antimony, or anything hurtful to the Constitution. Full directions in the pamphlet around each package should be carefully preserved. One dollar and six postage stamps enclosed to any authorized agent will ensure a bottle containing 50 pills by mail. At two o'clock yesterday afternoon in St. Louis, one of those sad misfortunes occurred which not only usher the soul into eternity, but mangle the body also of the unfortunate. Mr. Badgley came to St. Louis from Cincinnati about a year ago, and being a good workman and industrious, found no difficulty in getting employment at his trade, which was that of a bricklayer. Yesterday, while engaged at his labor on the Southern Hotel building, and standing at the time on a scaffold sixty feet from the ground, he made a misstep, fell backward, and was precipitated into the basement below. His body struck with terrible force on the jagged and broken rocks, breaking an arm in three places, and terribly mangling his body. One leg had to be amputated, but assistance was of no avail, and he died in two hours after the accident. Deceased was a worthy and industrious workman, single and boarded at the Missouri Exchange, corner of Ninth and Market Streets. An aged colored woman named Polly West was found on Saturday in her bed in the rear part of number 92 West Front Street. The coroner held an inquest on Sunday. It was in evidence before the jury that the deceased was between 80 and 90 years of age, that she had been a slave and had purchased her freedom many years ago, that she had also purchased her son from his owner, a man residing in Campbell County, Kentucky. The purchase was $600, of which she paid $400, and the slave was permitted to come over and assist in the earning of the remainder. After he had been here some time and paid several installments, he was suddenly seized and taken across the river and sold to go south. From that time, she never heard of him. At the time of her decease, she had, it is said, $400 deposited in the hands of a city attorney whose name was unknown to the witnesses. The verdict was, died from old age and exposure. The clerk of weather appears to have a spite at the Young Men's Gymnastics Association and nearly always sends a spell of weather on their exhibition nights. Notwithstanding this, their performance last night was witnessed by a large audience, the majority of whom were ladies. The members taking part in the exercises were Healy, Rogers, Smith, Mitchell, Haskell, Allen, Benjamin, Clark, and Masters, Mitchell, and Giles. The show was begun by Mr. C.H. Smith, who lifted 950 pounds. Then followed Herculean performances with dumbbells by the class. Next, in the order of exercises, was vaulting and somersaulting, which performances elicited much applause, especially when Mr. Rogers turned over the arms of two of his companions who were standing on the shoulders of others. The tumbling, posturing, and grouping which followed were beautiful. Mr. Lister and Detour had a bout with small swords, which proved them masters of the weapon. The exercises on the trapeze by Mr. Rogers and Smith were difficult and apparently perilous. The hanging feat was eminently sensational. We have not time to go through the entire program in which all acquitted themselves with credit and in a manner that showed the utility of the excellent institution. And finally, Mr. Robert Duncanson has, as most of our citizens are aware, upon his easel a large picture which gives promise of being not only the best work yet produced by him, but one that will place him in the front rank of landscape painters. The subject is chosen from Tennyson's poem, The Lotus Eaters. He is working out his design with a microscope minuteness of detail. It will probably be placed on exhibition about the end of April. You know, Gwen, our listeners might be interested to know that I was actually the subject of one of Mr. Duncanson's earliest works. But Murray, I thought he only did landscapes. Oh, he does. And I was a majestic oak. What does that even mean? For the Cincinnati Daily Commercial, I'm Murray Halstead. And I'm 
Gwendolyn Richards. And this has been your Queen City Bulletin.